Go ahead and yeah. talk. We guess it works. So yeah. 55, 56, 67, 66, 77, <laughs> Mississippi. Mississippi. You guys think all the all the all the denture all the denture test phrases, right? Fifty-five. You know 56. the funny thing. The funny the funny thing is, to this day, I still don't know exactly what it means when the S's are sloppy or the P's or the F's. I'm like, okay, that means something needs to be longer or shorter. Right, right. There has to be some adjustment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some adjustment. Which just was like so. Wax there and see what Shrub- happens. Shrubbing us wrong. Well, well, the thing is that it's always longer, right? Because we can't really add length. So if it's too short, we can't do anything. So all we can do is cut. Yeah. <laughs> right. Juro, just creep. We're just so- the singer. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Dr. Vu Lee, and I am here at the beginning of episode three of the Dennis Friends podcast. Dr. Shivago. Yes, well, it's not just Dr. Shivago, but it's a catchy name, right? We're actually going to be him with meet with him and his associate as they discuss the journey from analog to digital dentistry. Dr. Shivago was digital before a lot of us were. Before there was even dental CAD software, he was already doing his designs. I won't spoil the rest. It's a great conversation. And here we go in three, two, one, let's hit it. Today's episode of the Dennis Friends Podcast is brought to you by me at photodontist.com. We make the VPR, the only dentist-designed, dentist-manufactured device that makes photography both easy and fun for your team and staff alike. Let's face it, the SLR that you bought is collecting dust because it's too heavy, it's too clunky, and they don't like using it. Make photography fun again. You know you need photography in your office for case acceptance, for documentation, for lab communication, and just for plain old CYA. Find out what hundreds of dentists literally all over the world have already found out that the VPR is one of the best tools for photography, either day-to-day or even sometimes your portfolio cases. Visit photodontist.com, use promo code DENTISTFRIENDS10 to take 10% off for listening to the Dentist Friends podcast. Now back to our programming. We're here. Uh, me, I'm Dr. Steven Shao. This is Dr. Boule. We're interviewing two fellow sprinters and uh, key opinion leaders in the digital dental industry. And let's have them introduce ourselves to the, our audience. Hi, my name is Dr. Grace Kim. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Paul Chicago. Dr. Kim and Dr. Chicago, can you tell us a little bit about your experience, uh, where you practice, where you're from, uh, your background in digital dentistry? And we'll start from there. Sure. I mean, my uh, background in um, dentistry is I'm a prosthodontist. I'm, um, you know, also an implant surgeon. I work 80% of my time in my own private practice in Westfield, New Jersey, and teach uh, at NYU a digital dental course at PG Prosthodontics. I was always into art and um, like to draw and at a certain point in time in my life, I started to use like 3D applications, with, which were not necessarily dental. And I incorporated 3D uh, software, mostly from the entertainment industry, into dentistry and started to kind of like figure things out and create workflows that are relevant for dentistry. And uh, that's also what I teach. And at a certain point in time, you know, the 3D printing uh, thing came up and it, it was just like, very exciting to have, you know, something that you create on a computer to put them out analog. And that's like where I started to really like, wow, this is it. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, now I'm wishing I win first. So, uh, <laughs> so again, my name is Dr. Grace Kim. I was in general practice for a long time and it felt like a, a little something. So I decided to go back and do my cross residency where I currently am. And that's where I met Dr. Zhivago. I think when you're in practice, you go to a couple of CE courses and you learn a little bit about the general sense of what digital technology can do for you. It's hard to really start implementing that. I think it, it it's a little bit nerve wracking, you know, to bring something new in and you don't know exactly how it works. And you kind of don't want to have to, you know, work through the obstacles of that. So when I was in, uh, when I'm in my, in my program, I think it was just like a nice way for the fact that they bring it to you every day and like, you know, you're not afraid to try it because you're kind of in like a safer space. And that's where I really started to to have my eyes open to what it can really do for me. And I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective even as a current student and, you know, in practicing part-time because I recognize what I could have done all those years that I was in practice if I had those tools yeah, that's at my fair. disposal, you know. But yeah, so now I'm, um, that's what I'm doing. For me also, like, so exciting that you're digitizing something and then you bring it into the, you know, real world. It's also like a way to approve what you did and to control it. Right. Yeah. That, You're way more control. Yeah. Right. I wanted to speak to Dr. Posivago first. Okay. We spoke for hours last year in Miami yeah. at 3 days. And when I met you, we spoke for about three minutes. I instantly knew we we're kind of like the similar type of people, right? You're all into ZBrush. I know your love for art. You're very good at 3D printing. I am in, I'm in the other world where I come from. You know, I was the founder and the president of a video game club in college. But yeah. then... But it was huge, right? So when people think about video game, it's small. So we're actually one of the largest clubs at UC San Diego back then. We had 8,000 members, and we oh host huge events across the campus that end up on newspapers. I feel like I always have a lot of different passions. And my passion in those things had nothing to do with dentistry. But when I went to interview for dental school, I showed them the news headline. I feel like that helped my career along in ways that you don't anticipate. A lot of time for passion-driven operators we go where our heart leads us and we follow that path. We don't have an ulterior motive. We're not having this low planning, thinking, oh, this is going to help my career, this and that. But when that all comes together, you come back to help us. And I, I feel like 3D printing is one of those things, right? Right. So to me, 3D printing isn't really a dental technology, it's an engineering technology. I like to use it for prototyping. I like to use it for toys. But then once you learn all that skill set and bring it to dentistry, it allows you to design prosthesis and it allows you to do all these things that are hard to imagine. So we don't have to wait for software update. We don't have right. to wait for companies to come and deliver a product. If our mind is considering a different type of prosthesis, a different type of surgical guide, for example, we can do it instantly because we don't actually operate with a limitation of dental software. We exactly. Dental software. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my story was basically that I was studying for my dental boards, you know, Barnes and Noble, and you know, we had um, Emma. It it shows you the rest space, but it's the M loud that kind of does that. But you need to add an A that the mouth opens. Otherwise, you don't see it. Like if you say, mm, that's it, you know. But if you say M ah, you know, that it opens and it works. It does. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes when you say M, they just stop and press. Right, 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 right. That's a good pro tip there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit weird for patients, you know, because people don't think of saying something 
weird that helps us to do it, but you know, it, it works. It's a lot more I get organic, I think, than you know, when you tell patients to like, you know, just relax your jaw. Like, where where are you when you're like relaxed, teeth not touching? And they're like, what? Like, never happens. Yeah, they, they, they stress out immediately, like, clench down. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's impossible to tell. It's really hard to verbalize that, right? Yeah. You're, it wouldn't be great to say, please bite down and centric. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what? Right, right, right. Just push your joint back to the yes. most posterior. Can, can you please get to the most anterior position? <laughs> anterior superior position, yeah, yeah. Condyle, please. <laughs> What's an anterior? What's right. superior? It's no superior is is, a, is one of the Great Lakes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. If only it were so easy. I know. <laughs> some, some challenges. So, what proportion of your patients would you say are an increase in VDO? You have to increase VDO. To be honest, maybe like 20% or something. Only 20. That's Not lower than 20. I thought. I mean, it's something that it depends also how much you have to do it. So if you increase the video a little bit, it's, it's most of the time not really much of a problem. And you, you don't have these extreme cases all the time. So it, it basically like, why well, I, I don't think, you know, 20% will be pretty accurate, I guess. What are the reasons a patient would need or consider full mouth reconstruction? I mean, uh, I think that life quality, right? I mean, we have a lot of, what I see a lot is people that have had a bad dental experience, usually young. They just don't want to deal with it for a long, long time. And then you get to a point where, you know, it's completely not okay anymore. They need that. Mostly people that actually don't like dentists and didn't go for to dentist for a long time and then it's getting a little bad after a while so yeah i mean i think it's like really just the most simple way i try to think about it is for aesthetic or functional reasons that's basically it breaks down to those two and they may overlap a little bit but basically it's one of two reasons to do it i think that's that's kind of it you know like functionally if they're so broken down or aesthetically if they're unhappy with the way they look and it requires like a full mouth then that's ending to them and it has a little bit like cascade effect that if you your teeth big break down in the back, then things start to happen in the front. The way of thinking of that as a prosthodontist is you have to treat the whole mouth. Yes. One unit, then just mm-hmm. fix here something in there and then imbalance of forces take care of like breaking more things over time. Yeah. I like to tell my patients that it your mouth is sort of like single team. Right. And- they all need each other to succeed for a long time. And so without proper back teeth, you can't have the front teeth do what they were supposed to do and the front teeth, vice versa. So, you know, sometimes you, you can't just fix, plug one problem and hope it, right. it holds everything up together. You kind of need to. Is that part of the interview right now? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we're live. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, we've been live. Okay. Well, to bring it back to digital dentistry. <laughs> well, no, I think this is practical because yeah. here's the thing is, before you use the tool, you have to know what the problem is. You have to have a plan, and then you pick the tools you want to use. I think too often, I've been guilty of this. So when I first got the Photona laser, everybody was a laser patient, whether it was right for them or not. Everyone got laser. <laughs> right, right. And when I had a Sarek, yeah. the first year of Sarek, oh boy, I think there were some crowns. Maybe they could have been onlays, <laughs> or maybe they could have been big fillings. Yeah. But yeah, you get an inlay today. Yeah. No, that's yeah. So, so honest of you, honestly. Yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't admit to that, but it's so true. It's That's exactly what happened. Right. You don't have a plan. And to me now, I'm, it's funny. 
the conversation I'm having with my patients a lot lately is as I'm learning more about full arch comprehensive dentistry is, well, doctor, how come you haven't talked to me about this before? I said, well, it's simple. The answer I give them is, well, before we were just, we were worried about things at the tree level. I want to look at each tree. And if I see, you know, something in a tooth, tooth by tooth, tree by tree. Now that we have, we're in a good spot with you, let's back up the helicopter and look at forest level management. You know why you're having problems every two or three years, I'm having to fix a blown out tooth is because there's a systemic problem. Right, right. Yeah, so that's that's the analogy I try to explain to them. That's also very important, you know, to learn to communicate that to the patient because people don't really think about it, you know. I mean, you have to explain like, look, you have like a canine that opens up the back teeth. If the back teeth always grind together, then, you know, they get destroyed. So it's it's really like not so easy, you know, to create this dental awareness and the necessity of doing more than some sometimes, you know, people think, you know. So, it's true. Yeah. I, I do try to explain that to a patient who comes in because one of their front teeth chips. And now you're like, oh, you know what it is, is you got to fix every single tooth in your mouth, you know, to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right, like, right. I don't understand. This is a small problem, right? It's the, it's the foresight that I think is the difference. How do you deal with, but Dr. So-and-so said I was, my last dentist said I was fine. Well, the the thing is, what does that mean, fine? <laughs> you know, like, fine, you're not in pain, fine, you know, like, uh, nothing will happen in the future, fine, or you're fine right now. So it it's, you, you don't want to, like, disregard anybody's medical opinion or anything like that or throw somebody under the bus, but you have to... And, and this is a thing that, like, you know, um, I learned or I like this phrase, you know, um, it's basically if you're treating a dental problem, the, the problem is always the same problem, but there's multiple ways to fix it and they can be all correct. Yeah, everyone's got their opinion. Right. That's basically it. That's why they call it a dental package. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the digital, let's, we'll, let's, let's walk back to the digital journey here. So both of you are, we call it digital dentists, right? Both of you have done things of import enough to be enough to be here, right? So how did it how did it start? What was the? It can't be to save money on PBS. Please tell me that wasn't the reason. So, I mean, again, so I I had um, I was always into art. I I had like a lot of exposure to um, you know 3D software that I just did for myself. Hobby-wise, I, I like to play video games. I like the animation. So I wanted to understand, like, digital, um, you know, the digital realm or whatever. And then I became a dentist after that. When I started to do dentistry or when I incorporated ZBrush workflows, it was basically I had experience with the software. And um, ZBrush is a, a sculpting software. And when I went to dental school, that's what, they wanted me to do to sculpt things in wax and that's exactly the same thing what an artist would do a uh, creature uh, creator they, they use clay uh, and wax uh, and it seemed to me almost intuitive you know to use that software for my dentistry I started to become very excited about the whole digital to analog process in terms of 3d printing that I can really like figure out like what did I do there on the computer does this work would that fit for the patient and this and that and I I didn't really think about it in terms of this is the plan 
It's just like, I want to do this and I want to put it out to the world and people like that. And that's basically it. So I have this, I have this question that for you, because I ask myself this question all the time. As you mentioned before, you're very much into digital things. You like video games. Right. Obviously you're an artist. Too often people in our profession, they identify themselves as a dentist because that's what our licensure does. That's what our primary job is. Now, I have never really fully identified myself as a dentist. If anything, I feel like I'm more into an engineer. I like design, I like art, I like video games. I like all these things. Right. In your opinion, if you, were to if you were to define your career and your interests, what percentage of that is dentistry and what percentage of that is actually digital or entertainment things? I have to be honest, like at, at this point in my life, I'm occupied to be a dentist because that's what I do and I teach it and everything surrounds me with dentistry. So I actually would like to do more creative stuff that is not dental related right. uh, than I do now, but I don't want to define myself as anything else because that's what I am. I am a dentist, you know, if you, if you, if, if you want to find me, you look for a dentist, you know, so True. it's, it's, it's okay. And I just want to contribute something to dentistry to make it easier, better, more comfortable for dentists, but also for the patient. So I'm trying to use the best tools that I can imagine to make this happen, you know. I do agree with that. And uh, in digital dentistry, especially in 3D printed dentistry, and we spoke, I, I spoke about that a little bit yesterday on the stage. There's a difference between asking the question, what can this technology do for me and my career versus what can this technology do for my patients in general? Right. And sometimes those goals don't particularly align. And we're seeing that right now. But it's such an innovative technology that I think we're just beginning to ask the right questions. I think that, you know, the possibilities with having digital technology on the software side and now also on the hardware side created things for us that we just couldn't do before. So I have a patient today was very unhappy with something major, even a full mouth. And I know that tomorrow I can change this. Right. And that's enormous. I mean, people cannot sometimes, and obviously this is like our profession, we know about it, but sometimes people cannot even imagine what effect we can do. And that just works only because we have this digital dentistry revolution that now hardware, software, everything works and we can make it work if we know how. So that I, I kind of I kind of agree with that, and my yeah. perspective is that everybody is always talking about the frictionless frictionless workflow, and that kind of resonated with me a little bit. It's sort of like if I want to go somewhere and do something, and you're telling me I need to do A, I said, all right, I'll do it, and then you say you have to do B, then you have to buy C, and you have to hop across the board and do D. At some point, it's not about how much work you want to put in it. It's just look at all the daunting obstacle you have to overcome to get to the end result. We just say, we're not going to do it. So at some point, we're just going to cut off that line and say everything beyond that point is not worth doing at all. So uh, digital technology, uh, 3D printing and dentistry allow us to remove a lot of those obstacles, uh, obstacles. So it's not that we cannot do it without this tech. It's we were not willing to do all of this work to get to that end result. So sometimes we send it out, sometimes we refer the patient. Right, out. right. So we, what we have, um, me and Grace in, in our office is basically the whole workflow is completely independent of each other. So we have like building blocks that are completely open in terms of architecture. So we have the printer that is open, you know, we have the software that is open. 
So we can take all these blocks and put this together for any case that we don't depend on any structure, to be honest. You know, there's like a workflow, but we always can jump in and out of it depending on the case. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's actually one of my, I think, touches upon one of my favorite things about dentistry is that you can do as much or as little with it as you want. And you can just pick the pieces that work for you and implement those and and that could be that. I think that's actually one spec uh, one aspect I love about dentistry. Unlike any other profession within our own practice, given our license, we can do anything that we want to do. Right. At the same time we don't have to do anything that we don't want to do. It's true. So I feel like our colleagues in the medical professions, they don't have that luxury. <laughs> so a lot of people ask what's great about dentistry and one of the great thing about dentistry is that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Which means, you know, you can be like me in the bag, play around with Pokemon stuff. And as they, yeah. you know, three hours, right? <laughs> right. But at the same time, the pitfall of that is that a dentist can work themselves to death. They can work 60 hours a week with no assistant, no hygienist. And no one is, is there to tap on the shoulder and go, don't do this. This is not good for you because you have too much freedom. So I feel like the wisdom and the experience that we can share with especially new grads going to help them a lot through our journey because we've made our share of mistakes. So one one of the things that, you know, was asked also yesterday how to convince somebody, you know? Yeah. Right. And and my, my thing was I was thinking about it and I'm like, it's actually not that complicated. You know, you you, you save your time. You, you, you have, you can design a high quality product, you know, with digital dentistry and you create also something eventually better or more accurate for your patient in terms of what your vision is and what the patient wants instead of having this this trial run because let's be honest all the the industries have some sort of digital component to it like car manufacturing like it's, it's a new technology so yeah. how is it not so like why would it not be easy to explain to somebody you have more time your quality will enhance and you know your patients will be happier so it's just like to to put it in perspective and don't be afraid of the new stuff because that's I think where where people say like oh it works well in my hands for the last whatever years right. it's like I get it but try this out you know and you can do it faster and better now right, right? that's right faster and, and better maybe maybe your experience is different because you're an educator at NYU and then the student that comes to take your classes they're obligated to take it because it's their job to do so. When me and Dr. Voulet go out there and speak to some of the new dentists about 3D printing, for them, they're on the fence. They don't have to learn it. For better or for worse, sometimes I talk about this is that the, one of the reasons why adaptation for high tech in dentistry has been slow compared to all the other fields is because, frankly, a dentist, the second that they graduate, they don't need to adapt one single piece of new technology. They don't need to learn anything throughout their entire career. And they will survive. Right. 100%. Right. They will not go out of business because they don't get into digital dentistry. They don't get a 3D printer or mill. So sometimes the question becomes whether or not they can learn it or whether or not they want to learn it. I would say, though, to some extent, you're going to need it. Just for a really practical purpose, if you think of dentistry at its most basic level, in order to get the cheapest crown lab piece, you're going to have to scan it. <laughs> True. True. And that's how that's how dental labs actually push the industry towards digital, right? They say, we're going to stop taking out your list. Yeah. And they go, well, that doesn't really work. So what we're going to say is we're going to charge you more if you send us an uh, impression in PBS. What you put out there, this is like something that I love, you know, like three circles, you know, in terms of like quality, right. speed, right. 
and uh, money, right? Right. So most of the time we say, well, you can have it high quality, very fast, but it will be expensive. That's right. Or you can have it cheap. The quality won't be that great. So it's yet. always like two of these right. things are okay. But if you think about digital dentistry, you actually can make it faster. You can make it cheaper because the labor is a machine. And uh, yeah, the quality is still there. So that's, right. that's fantastic. So There's like you know. no human error. Right. Right. Now. So one, one of the things about digital dentistry and doing everything in-house, and we learned this through the CEREC technology, is that, or having an in-house lab technician actually, is every point of communication is a potential for error. Oh, right. So I, I learned this from an engineering program that if you were to take two to the exponential, right, the number of communication necessary to reach there is will create two to the exponential probability of problems. So if you need three lines of communication to get something done, there's two to the third power, which is a full number of problem that could actually incur. Like doing everything in-house, we actually have the most reliable and probably the highest quality production that can be done. 100%. And the, the only thing that I just want to kind of also like talk about is like the level of creativity, you know, because when we do a lot of automation, you know, that that's kind of like difficult to bring in. So that's why we use, uh, you know, for example, ZBrush, because we are sculpting things, we are connecting with the patient, and we get their input. Because when we have uh, certain libraries, they're all correct, you know, but it might not express what the patient wants in terms of how to come across. So I had, we, we went to a lecture, and there was this guy, uh, Galip Garil, he's, uh, you know, a very good dentist in Turkey, and he had uh, one of the celebrity patients he had, he basically redid his anterior restorations like three times in seven years because he was in the show industry and he wanted to come across always differently. You know, when all of these restorations were fantastic, but he just wanted to be different. And, you know, it's, it's important to connect with the patient and create something that is unique and to also include them, because I think there's a lot of apprehension in dentistry because people come in to that space, they want to get something done, but they don't know exactly what the end result will be. And we can show them that before, you know, like an architect, you do the rendering, you do the plan before you build the house, right? I, I agree. Yeah. I think I think when I first spoke to Spurray about 3D printing, they asked me, what, what is 3D printing to you? What does it mean to you? What type of tool is it? And people are thinking about, people are thinking about, we will use it to save money on the laboratory costs. I actually tell them, to me, 3D printing is the ultimate communication tool. Right. Right. And then in that by communication, I mean, we don't, so if you were to sit there and tell the patient, hey, we can do this for you, you can change your smile. Now, the traditional way is we just verbally tell them, we're going to make it longer, we're going to straighten it, we're going to make this look better for you. And that doesn't get the job done. That does not re. Uh, that does not resolve the patient's hesitance to proceed towards right. the schedule uh, with the appointment. Now the next step is that. Well, let me get out a piece of paper. I'll sketch it for you. Right. I'll try to demonstrate what I mean by that. And we evolve from there. We take photographs. We do photoshops. Uh, some offices have like aesthetic cases where they have a person right. in a nice album is short to them, but. Ultimately, what we really want to do is that when you tell the patient, "This is what we're offering you." What if we can print them exact wax about exact proposal? We can replicate that into their mouth. Then all of a sudden, the hesitance completely goes right. away. And this line of communication 
allows for a much a drastic impre- uh, improvement in case acceptance. But the reason why that is, is because we're delivering a completely predictable result. Exactly. So we have uh, uh, in our office like uh, a workflow. So basically, we take the photos first right? because I want to have a face shot, like full face and smile. Then my assistants are taking the x-rays. I sit there for 10 minutes, do a smile design. The smile design will be shown to the patient. And then uh, that smile design will be imported and 3D printed. Right. So being, even if I show a patient a smile design printed like a cast, then they not necessarily can relate to it. But once we do the mock-up and it's in their mouth and they see it, then that's where the wow moment is. You know, that is so... I agree. So I mean, it satisfies me a lot. But, it's like, wow, that's but cool. This is one of those things yeah. that you only truly get it if you haven't done it. Exactly. So it's yeah. very difficult for us to communicate to a completely analog dentist that still works with dental laboratory and right. a great designer. The efficiency in being able to do something instantly, it's hard to verbally show someone. And it's even hard. It's it's not easy to teach in a presentation or in a class either. So yeah, I mean, I I think that like you know the best way is basically hands-on courses. So we be that, and then they see it, and and everybody's like impressed. If you have like teeth that look totally different and change all all of it, and it's it's actually not that hard to do. I agree. Um, yeah, it's, I agree, and that just works with three D printing, digital dentistry. I mean. How many, we, we had cases where we basically had like a class two, division two inclination where you have like the anterior teeth, you know, be the, the uh, central incisors are behind the lateral incisors. And uh, that, that was what the patient was used to. And we made this inclination more severe. So I had like done three uh, mock-ups. So if you think about it on a computer for me to do it, it's basically like two seconds. I just moved them right. further. And if I would send this to the lab, I need like three wax ups, you know. Basically, basically it's going to take two and a half weeks for it. Right, right. Minor revision right. and they'll charge you for every single right, one of them. Right, right, right. And like, uh, like we we're saying before, it doesn't actually take longer. It just never gets done. Because right. at that point, if it takes two weeks to make any modification, we're not going to do it. Right. So you're using ZBrush. In my office, we use Blender. Blender, right? yeah. And then in Blender, the great thing about the digital rendering is you can do photorealistic rendering. And we can show patients what the class two inclination means right. when the light hits it in a different angulation. We can tilt it, actually right. make an animation of the teeth tilting and show it to the patient and demonstrate to them, this is exactly what we want to do for you. And then, in my uh, in my experience, there's two things that kind of that is kind of surprising. The first thing is when the patients see this, they go, "Wow!" Right. And frankly, I don't think they appreciate how advanced this type of technology is to be using the dentistry because they're not dental software. These are engineering. These are VFX. These are computer animation softwares. But the second thing that always surprised me when I demonstrate these type of virtual patient technology is that how quickly the uh, the patient or other dentists get into it and instantly understand exactly where the value of this technology is. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we are, I think we're blessed to be in dentistry right now. We are. Because I think this is like golden era of dentistry where we have like these new tools, you know, that we can learn, like enhance like the whole industry and do something really good for our patients, you know. Right. And yeah, I'm actually very thankful for that. You know? I, I agree. And people say 3D printing is the fourth industrial revolution, right? 
I really think that is the case, except in the field of dentistry, in the field of medicine, we're about a decade behind all the other, or two decades behind every other industry. It has already taken place everywhere else. Right. And it's just starting to affect us. And I think it's because in the field of dentistry, we, it requires a new generation of dentists to really bring about these changes. I remember when I first graduated, the dentists that graduated placed in amalgams, they're not going to change their ways. They're going to place amalgam for the rest of their career. They're going to do PFMs and stainless steel crowns. And then it took a new generation of dentists to say, there's no more amalgam. We're going to do only composites. And another generation of dentists to say, we're only going to do ceramic. Right. And I feel the 3D printed restoration industry is going to be the same. All the dentists that are graduating today, most likely they will all adapt 3D printed technology. But for the dentist that's been out there for 20, 30 years, maybe they won't because right. they don't need to. But that's, you know, that's, I think, just part of like, evolutional process right you know i mean you enhance whatever you do and if you don't and you stay still in time things might not be beneficial for you know anybody so i agree um it was it was interesting like i had um i had the opportunity to talk to we we have a big association in new york the greater academy of prosthodontics and we invited francois Dure who was in the 70s, basically, he was the first guy who did digital dentistry. So he used something, he, he was scanning actually in the 70s. So that's like, you can YouTube it, Francois Dore, digital dentistry, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I wanted to ask him, you know, like in the 70s, how did you come up with it? You know, that was like, how did you think of that? The computers were barely a thing, you know. Their mainframes, huge. And he told me, I did not think how to do it. I just know that I just want to do it. So it was not like how to do it, just like, I know I can do this and I will just stay on that path. And I was like, oh shit, that's impressive. Like, you know, and that's like how these things happen sometimes, you know. You mean the visionary sometimes. Correct. I see yeah. people like that yeah. at NASA and JPL, all the yeah. IRS people with SpaceX and they yeah. operate based on those principles. And I feel like it's more rare that we see people like that in dentistry. Yeah. And was when you meet people like that, uh, then it's we we're very like we're very like uh methodically driven. So you have to do this, then you need that tool and right. this and that, you know. And right. it's true, we need it, but sometimes it's okay to just get out of this path and find ways that also work, you know, without No, I, I, I have to say in dentistry in presentation and education, I am more of a conceptual type of guy. I'm not a workflow type of guy. Right. I'm not good at coming out with an instruction of one through 20 on exactly every step of the way what you should do. I'm more, my learning style is more, here are all the different tools that you have. Right. You want to get there and you get there anywhere you can. And then we solve this problem using whatever tools and whatever skills that, that are necessary. But if you were to ask me to repeat it, maybe I'll do it a completely different way. And I like that freedom of expression because that's what I do in hobbies. Right. So the same on my end, but then I had to adapt to make workflows because if yeah. I want to teach it, that, you know, that's I kept that. I need to learn it. Uh, yes. Throw it out and be like, it's great. You know, just do it. I was going to say the exact same thing in that. In addition to teaching other dentists, of course, we have staff turnover. Every time you have a, a new staff person come in, that six to 12 month journey, right. getting them up to speed, you realize that the only way they're going to learn your workflow is if you have a repeatable, right. consistent right. one. Yeah. 
and that for better or for worse turnover and teaching have both forced me to kind of think okay yes i have five different ways to do things but i need to come up with the one best most repeatable most consistent most reproducible and simple and simple and i think that's what i need to learn from the two of you because as you always tell me we can't find another mag Right, my my style that your style of inspiring people doesn't work on everyone. You really need to come up with a method to communicate the know how to the next generation. Yeah, and I, I think like you know that that there were, there's like a, a there's also a, a big shift in generations how how this is basically like uh, taken by the new generation. And to be honest, they take digital dentistry work very well. They you know understand it. It's just like that we're in a phase of you know teaching new ways changing we're changing the industry to be honest that's that's really what happened and, and, and i think that's and it's okay you know it's, it's exciting to be a part of it yeah right yeah. sort of like i was there when everything changed right. i was right there on the front right, line right. i remember it i think maybe 30 years from now when we're old men sitting around we'll talk about <laughs> this time right now we'll say hey do you remember that time we went to the right. studio we had hair and makeup it's confetti everywhere it's just it, it makes it to me the most valuable thing in life is good stories. And I think our journey in digital dentistry has brought us great stories that we're never going to forget and make great friends along the way. So my my story, basically, when when I, and I just don't want to, when, when I started to really like work with ZBrush, I was in a phase where I contacted them. So I said, listen, I can make your software work for dentistry. You know, I figured it out. This is good. And they're like more in the entertainment industry, so there was no, they didn't really had any connection to it. And I, I was on a flight to LA Thursday night, so Friday I was just showing up at their conference and meet them. And the day before, I basically wanted to uh, close a deal on an office, and it didn't work out, so I quit. So I didn't have a job or nothing. You know, I have a family, so I was sitting in the plane, and I'm like, man, you're going like to LA pitching an idea to people that really are not connected to dentistry and what are you doing that you lost your mind and actually this this was one of my my best moments in terms of my career that I ever did you know right so you have to be okay with what you intuitively think is a good thing because it's it's okay if you think it's good maybe other people will think the same you know? I, I think you had a you had a moment of reflection right you had that moment of clarity when you're sitting on the airplane I feel that sometimes right so that was great I think we're going to wrap this up been a great conversation is Dr. Paul Zabak thank you so much guys a great Kim Grace Kim and so thank you very much thank you very much and many thanks to Dr. Paul Shivago and Grace Kim for sitting down with us uh, for a great interview at the part of the uh, 3DX sessions at Tuxedo Studios in Los Angeles. As part of Sprint Ray's 3DX event, we thank Sprint Ray, of course, for graciously allowing us to tape these in the middle of these, in the middle of everything else going on. It was great. And a small miracle, we actually got some decent recordings out of it, too. So thanks again, doctors. Thanks to my partner, Stephen Chow, uh, for always for the insightful questions. I am so excited, though, for our next guest as well. Equally, equally excited, maybe even more, the one, the only, Christian Brennis, one of the most fair-handed, one of the smartest men in dental academia, joins us. He is one of the OGs of 3D printing. If you've waxed up teeth in Mesh Mixer, you probably have his libraries to thank for it. Highly looking forward 
to sharing that interview with you in our next episode, episode four. Join us for that. Until next time, on behalf of my partner, Stephen Shao, this is Dr. Boo Lee, DDS, signing off for the Dennis Friends podcast. It's been a blast. <laughs>